Okay, good morning, and some of you probably thought, well, I've seen that before. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're doing part two, and so we're uh, just uh, use that as a little intro again this morning, and uh, just uh, one little thought I, I give you about the Spiegelmans is, it doesn't look like anybody's trying very hard, does it, in the Spiegelman family? That's, that's important, so I'll share that with you. Let me say uh, just a couple of things, we'll have a word of prayer and get into part two on the family, Extreme, Life, Extreme Makeover Life Edition. Last week we talked about, uh, and first of all, we, we started with the foundation a few weeks back. And then last week we talked about some foundational things as well. And uh, the foundation is Jesus Christ. And everything in a Christian's life starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. No other place. There, there's not another foundation for you. That's the foundation. But there are some foundational principles about building a great family. We talked about last week the very most important position, place, and thing that a great Christian family's got to have has got to be that spiritual head of household. We talked about that last week, how that's normally the man. That's the husband, the, 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 uh, the father in the family. And sometimes the husband, he, he's, the Christian father is not there, either because the, the dad is totally absent or because he's not a Christian or he's not living by Christian principles. When that happens, some, then mom has to step in. Uh, the wife has to step in. And when she's not a Christian or she's not there in her right in that place, then sometimes the kids have to step in as well. Like if you're, a, if you're 16 years old and you come to church all the time and you're trying to live for God but your parents aren't Christian, you're probably the spiritual head of the household. But let me throw one more in. We talked about those last week. Let me throw one more in for you today. And that is sometimes that there has to be an extended family member who has to step in, like the grandparents or an aunt, or an uncle, or sometimes an older cousin has to step in because if they don't, if there's someone not there, then you don't have that spiritual covering. Nobody's praying and pleading the blood of Jesus for the family. Nobody is, is uh, giving that, that good Christian spiritual direction and instruction that needs to be given. Those things aren't happening, so somebody has to step in. And i got to say this. Just for, we're going to have a word of prayer and get to the message, but i got to say this just before I do because there's, there's this attitude in our society today about grandparents. Okay, now I, I am a grandparent now. I have a three-year-old granddaughter and uh, in a few days an 11-month-old uh, grandson. He'll be 11 months old. So I am a grandfather. So listen, I, I, I think I can speak uh, somewhat intelligently about this, but I know exactly what everybody's saying. Like, you know, that it's our job to spoil them and love them and do all we want. And then when we're tired of them at the end of the day, take them back home to mom. And dad, and let mom fix what we spoiled all day long. I, I mean, you know, and, and you, you know what? I'll nod and smile and wink at you a little bit and say, yeah, that's really fun. But I need somebody to show me that in Scripture where that's my place as a grandparent. I need somebody to show me that in, in Scripture, that that's really what God intends me to do as a grandfather, is to, you know, feed them all the cotton candy and candied apples and everything I can find for them, and, and spoil them and make them love me so much, and send them back to mom and dad, let mom be the heavy and dad be the heavy and all that. Somebody show me that in Scripture. That's not God's plan for the family. That we're supposed to be supporting and, and helping create that. And sometimes we have to step in. Sometimes we have to step in. And, and as, as, a, as a Christian grandfather, let me tell you, I, I, don't, I don't take that position like for Bradley, the, my son-in-law, who's over, you know, the, the dad from the, his family, my two grandkids. I don't take his position. But I see my position as being 
another covering over his covering. And I'm praying and pleading the blood of Jesus as grandfather, just like he is. I'm praying he does and praying for them to be successful. And that is our place. And all these, people, all these places have to fit together. We've got to have that spiritual head of household or we're missing all these important pieces. But today I want to talk about, let's fill in the rest of this. Let's fill in the rest of what this family is supposed to look like. And, and, and so today, uh, I'll share it with you this way. It, is, you know, extreme makeover. One of the things they do is, you know, they, they interview lots of people around. They ask, uh, you know, even before they make the decision to help this family, give this family a new house, they're asking the friends, family, you know, uh, about the things. And they're also trying to find out what the needs are in the family. A lot of times there's a, there's a, a handicapped person in the family, and so they, you know, they have to take care of that, or there's some other kind of need, a physical need like that. Or sometimes it's a single mom with a lot of kids, and, and she doesn't need to work outside the home, but she's got a craft or something that she does to raise money. And so they'll actually build her a little, I've even seen them build a little shop there that she could, she could actually work out of and sell her stuff out of and set her up, you know, on the Internet and everything. And they do those kinds of So they're looking at needs. And supplying those needs. And so today, this is what we're going we're gonna to talk about. And finishing out this, this sermon and the sermon series on, on, on having a great life and God giving us a great life, an extreme makeover for our lives, and, and having great families, we're going to look at needs and we're going to look at responsibilities. Now, those are two, two words I know that nobody really likes. We don't want to have to think about anybody else's needs and we don't want to think about our responsibilities. But if you're going to have a great life, you're going to have a great life, you're going to have to look at those two things. And if you're going to have a great life, you're going to need two things. And we talked about those two things last week. Two, two of the most uh, influential things, the two most influential things on this planet are the church and the home. And if you're going to have a great life, you need a great church and you need a great home. And uh, I told you three things that those two things have in common last week. Let me give you one more to add to it. Here's the fourth thing that those two things have in common. And this is that if you want a great church and you want a great home, you're going to have to be responsible and do what God has called you to do. To be a, you're going to, you don't just show up on Sunday morning and have a great church. You know, you don't just, you don't just show up. On, if we all just showed up on Sunday morning, we wouldn't be a great church. We'd be, still be running around trying to find the light switch and everything on. If you'd, come, if you'd come to the early service this morning, it was kind of warm and toasty in here at first. We hadn't turned the air on, but if, you, if you'd have come early and somebody hadn't turned the heat on, you'd have been freezing to death. I mean, nope. you don't just show up and have a great church. The same thing with your family. You don't just get up out of bed and walk down to the kitchen table and, and show up for breakfast and have a great family. Can somebody help me here and say amen? You don't just show up and it happens. You've got to say what are the needs of the people around me? You say that in a church. You've got to look around. What's the needs of the... And you've got to say, what's my responsibility? And you've got to do that at home. What are the needs of the people around me? And what is my responsibility in fulfilling those needs? Those are the two things that we've got to look at this morning. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for the awesome gift that you've given to us as the church, Lord. Giving us a church, Lord, to, to strengthen us, to encourage us, God. People to pray with us, that we can worship together, Lord. People that point us towards you and remind us, God, that there's something more important than us, more, bigger than our problems. And God, also the beautiful gift that you've given us as a family, God, the, the families that you've given us. And, and, and though none of them are perfect, God, they're, they're such strength for us and help for us. And I pray, you, God, you just help us, Lord, strengthen and grow our families today. God, help us to make some decisions. Help us to, to, to decide, God, to, to do something powerful for our families, God, so that our families can be everything they need to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, so let's look at needs and respond. And let's begin with the guys, okay? Uh, and I really began most of what we said last week pertain to the guys because we talk about the spiritual head of the household, even though sometimes, you know, somebody else has to step in. But that's still where I want to begin today because we're going to begin there with 
really with what should be the strongest. So let's begin with the strongest. Let's spend more of our time maybe with the weaker, and we finish with the weaker as we get through the family. First of all, talking about the guys, is we've got to look at, first of all, needs. Okay? What is a guy's greatest need? What is your husband's greatest need? What is your dad's greatest need? Okay, I want to relate this to everybody. We've all got to look at this. If you're a child living in your parents' home and your dad is there, your dad's still in the picture. He's not left. He, He hasn't passed away or any of those things. He is there. You need to ask the question, what is my dad's greatest need? And a man's greatest need is honor, respect, esteem. That is a man's greatest need. He needs to be honored. He needs to be respected. He needs to know that you honor and respect him, that you, that you esteem him highly. You know, and uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting sometimes when, when we guys feel like this, we, we don't understand sometimes we miss the other end of it because we just need that honor and respect. We, you know, we, we don't really need a lot of time. You know, we don't, need our, we don't need our family coming in, bowing down before us and spending 30 minutes telling us how great we are. We just need their respect. And sometimes that's, that, that kind of kicks us in the backside on the other, on the other end of it. It's because we don't then want to give that time. Is hey, all we need is just know that you respect us and just honor us. But you know what God did? God gave us, he gave us the keys to this in Scripture. And he's given you the key of, as, to, as to how to have a great home and have a great marriage great, and a great family. And how to connect, with, because look right here. Here's what, he tells, here's what he tells the wives. He said, first of all, he says, nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself. But then he says, and let the wife see that she respects, respects her husband. There's that word, the, the important thing. We went to another scripture last week, but I want to take you to this one. It's a little different because it also has this word respects here. I mean, I've told you that is, that is your husband's number one need. So wives, first thing you need to see is this. Is that your dad, that your uh, husband needs to be respected. And, and the scripture that we were reading last week, we were talking about submission, right? And I mean, I, I know lot, there's been a lot said about this submission thing, and a lot of women feel really beaten over the head with this submission thing. And that doesn't mean that you've got you know, to bow down to everything. That's not what it's talking about. Let me give you another word to think about. When you're, when you're thinking about submission, respect, think about it in this way. It's think about the word trust. You know, when you, when you look at your husband and he says, this is what I think we need to do, and when you, you say, oh, I'm scared to death of this, and say, but okay, we'll do it your way. You know what you're doing? You are, you are giving him trust. You're putting your trust in his decision-making ability. You're putting your trust in his, in his, his, his ability to, uh, to choose what is right for the family. Now, now we've got to say the flip side of this also is that, uh, husbands, listen, if you're not being very trustworthy, you can't expect your family to trust you. And, and, you know, this word honor, you know, if you're not a very honorable person, then you can't expect your family to honor you. But let me tell you, most people, and especially any Christian dad, any Christian uh, husband that is trying is going to be honorable and trustworthy to some measure. And you need to find that measure, that, that place where you can honor them and trust them. And when, when, you, when you trust your husband and you say, look, okay, I believe that you're doing this with the very best intentions. You're not doing this out of, uh, out of self-serving. You're not doing this because you, you, uh, you want this, but you're doing this because you feel like it's best for the family. And you say, I'm going to trust your judgment in this. You're respecting him. You're giving him the respect that he needs. And, and, and also with the kids, same thing. You know what God tells us? Ephesians chapter 6, children obey your parents, the Lord for this right. We talked about obedience last week. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Honor, honor, respect. You know what God's telling you? He says, respect your parents. Why? Because that's your dad's greatest need. That is the greatest thing that your dad needs. And if you want to build a great relationship with your dad, just honor him. 
And guess what? He's going to be wrong sometimes. He's going to be wrong sometimes. Can some of you men say amen? We're going to, be, we're going to mess up sometimes, right? We're not going to get it right every single time. But I, I was thinking yesterday in our small group uh, that Gary uh, leads on Saturday morning, he was, talking about, he was talking about the rules and the regulations on a, you know, like a football team and, and how you, know, you break the rules, you get out of line. I mean, he's talking to so many things. That, you know, and and I, incidentally, I just tell you that one, one of, the, one of the, my measures of, of feeling like I've done a good job is when I hear people, people tell me they got four or, five, uh, four or five extra ideas out of what I just said. And I, Gary, I got a bunch yesterday, so you did a good job yesterday. And one of those was, one of those was talking about, you know, sometimes, you know, there'll be that rogue, you know, that, that rogue player, you know, that rebel, that guy that says, I, I don't think the coach has got the right idea about our defense, you know. I think instead of running this defense, we ought to run this defense. And so, you know what, I'm just going to run it anyway, the way I think it ought to be run. And what that means is instead of being in this position where, where the coach says I'm supposed to be in the de- defense, I think we ought to be running, I'm going to be over here. And so, you, go, you know what's going to happen? That's going to be disaster, right? Because nobody's covering the play. And you know what, and, and that guy, he may be right, that may be the perfect defense to run against this team or because of the, of the talent they have on the team. But you know what, he's wrong because he's out of his place. And kids, your dad may be wrong about something. But if you do it your way, that's not going to make it right. And that's not going to make it healthy. That's not going to make it strong. That's not going to make your relationship with him better. The only way that your family is going to work is for you to all be together. And even when your dad's a little bit wrong, just honor him with it. Say, okay, dad, we're going to try it your way. And then resist the urge. Somebody say amen. Resist the urge to say, I told you so, later when it falls apart, okay? That is not honoring him when, honor him. Do you want you this? Do you want your dad to let you make a mistake and not kill you over it? Then you got to give him that permission as well. Allow your dad to be wrong and honor him in being wrong. And let him then show you, let him reciprocate and show you. Here's what God is doing. God is trying to help you see how to have a better relationship in your family. And so he's telling you, wives, honor your husband. Kids, honor your dad. That's his greatest need. God's just trying to help us with that if we'll just pay attention. So now let's go to the wives. Go to the wives. And what is the wives, what, are the, what is wives number one? Well, let me tell you this. I'm going to give you, I gave you one for husbands. I'm going to give you four for wives because women are a whole lot more complex than we are. I mean, you know, hey, just give us some honor, you know, and we're good, you know, get us on down the road. But ladies, mm, man, you know, so I'm going to give you four right here. And the number one, anybody know what it is? Number one, Security. Your wife needs security more than anything else on the earth. And that's why she is so upset when you spend money frivolously. You think you've done a great thing when you go spend $100 on a dozen roses. And she's thinking about what y'all can't buy that week because you spent $100 on it. Have you ever brought her home something like that and you wonder, why isn't she grateful? It's because that's not her number one need. Her number one need is security. And when you, you know, you might think that you've invested in roses. She thinks you've blown money in roses. Those roses are going to be dead in about three days. She needs security, and not just in financial matters. She needs security in her relationship with you. She needs security in every single area of her life. And I've got a friend that he said, I married my wife 30 years ago. When I married her, I told her I I loved her, and if anything changed, I'd let her know. (laughs) Nope. That doesn't work, guys. She She needs to be secure in your love for her today. And, and, you know, and ladies, don't get upset with us. I know we guys, we get our pop bellies, our receding hairlines, and all those other things as as well. But guys, listen to me. If you've been married 20 years, 30 years, 40, whatever it is, if you've been married, if you've been married five years, 
no matter what, whatever changes have happened, she needs to know that with wrinkles, the extra pounds, all those gray hairs that she keeps trying to hide, she needs to know that you still love her today as much as you did the day you said, I do. She needs to be secure in that love. She needs to know that you didn't love her just because of the way she looked that day because now she looks different. And there are some other young ladies that look like she looked back then. She needs to know that's not what you married her for. And when she sees you, listen, when she sees you catching a glimpse of something else, uh-uh. Hey, you can get in trouble by, you can get in trouble by accident. And let me tell you, you can get in trouble by accident. So what you've got to do is you've got to say, God, you help me put blinders on my, and don't, don't, let me look, don't let me look at a $5 bill laying over there and let my wife think I'm looking at something else that's under, the, that's under some lady's feet over there. God, you've got to help me with some of that. They need security, and that's why God said this. This is our scripture from last week. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. He gave himself. He didn't loan her 30 minutes. He didn't buy her a dozen roses. Jesus Christ gave himself for his church. Every single, it's, it's a sacrifice. And, and, and guys, listen, uh, let me just tell you, that if, if, if you're this, one of those manipulators that, that look, I'll tell my wife this is the best thing for us so that I can get this other thing that's really my thing, that's not sacrificing. You've got to put yourself in a place of saying, this is what is best for my life. And let me tell you how to put yourself in that place and, and, and make yourself trustworthy, make yourself respectable, and make yourself honorable where your wife wants to bring this honor to you right here. It's in this sacrifice thing. You, you, need, you need to put yourself in a place where, where you need to be praying in a way where, where, where that your wife knows that you're making decisions based on thus saith God for our family, not thus what I want today. And when you put yourself in that place, you're putting your, se- your wife in a place of security. And when, and when you put her in a place of security it, because you're being responsible to her needs, then she's going to turn around and be responsible to your needs. And you've got more needs than just honor. But that's on, that, uh, we, we, talk about, we talk about sex on, in the relationship small group on Tuesday night. So if you want to hear that, you're going to have to come to my house on Tuesday night. But if you want to receive what you need from, God, from your wife, then you're going to have to give her what she needs from you. And it's a whole lot more complex, guys. Because first of all, she needs security. But then she also needs affection. She needs open communication and she needs leadership. Affection. You know what affection is? Let me tell you how, how wives measure affection. They measure it in the commodity of time. It's not in money, it's not in any of those, it is in time. You, you cannot show affection kissing her on the cheek on your way out the door. That's not affection. Affection is time. Affection is, way, affection is spending some time there. Leads re- real well right in here to open communication. Now, I've heard this for years, you know, every human being speaks 30,000 words in a day. And the problem is, especially for you guys who work outside the home and your wife doesn't work outside the home, when you come home from work, you've spoken your 30,000, and she's getting started on hers. <laughs> right? And so what do you do? What do you do? You say, look. You say, look, wait a minute. I, I'm tired of talking. I've heard it. That's, what, that's our automatic response, isn't it? But she needs open communication. And, and, and uh, whether she works outside the home or not, she still needs open communication with you. She's talked to the kids. She's talked to the teachers. She's talked to to her boss if she's working. She's talked to all these people. She needs open communication with you. And you know what? This is real easy, guys. Because 
She doesn't really have, a lot of times she doesn't really have to have a whole lot of talk back. She just needs somebody to talk to. And a lot of times all you got to do is you just got to sit and listen. If you can just sit and listen, imagine, you can have a greater marriage just by sitting down, shutting up, and opening your ears. God made it so easy on us, guys. Men, women, he made it so easy on us that, that we can easily give. I mean, the, I mean, honestly, they like to talk, and we'd rather not. We'd rather just listen. And God made it easy on us. And the leadership. That doesn't mean she doesn't have a clue. That doesn't mean she doesn't know where she's going or what she's doing. They need that spiritual leadership. Like I was saying just a few moments ago, she needs to know that you pray. How long has it been since she heard you pray? How long has it been? Can I tell you one of the things that has impacted my life and at such an early age too, one of the things that impacted my life more than anything, I think, was hearing my mom pray. Now, my cousin said it differently. Uh, one day, uh, somebody called when my cousin, when we were small, called his house and asked for his mom, and he said, she can't come to the phone right now. She's in her bedroom yelling at Jesus. <laughs> and I, re- I remember my mom yelling at Jesus. But she wasn't angry at him. I could hear her through that, that bedroom door calling my name in prayer. Man, that has an impact on you. When you hear somebody who is at an altar and saying, God, I want you to wrap my son up and call your name and, and say wrap him up in protection and plead the blood of Jesus over him. And God, don't, don't let any influences ever you know, pull him away from, from you, God. And call him to, a, to, to something to do for you. All those kinds of things. What an impact that has. And husbands, you need to hear that. What an impact that would have. Your wife needs to hear you pray. That's one of the reasons you need to pray together. And and I know some of you say, well, I just don't pray out loud. Your wife needs to hear you pray a little bit. If you need some pointers, ask me. I'll give you some. Okay? I'll give you some good things to pray for your wife. Something I mean, you know, you, you can get started with that, but your wife needs to hear you pray. Because when your wife hears you pray and when your wife sees you read the Bible... I mean, she needs to know that you've got, I mean, let her see what's on your, on your smartphone. Let her see that version Bible app that you've got. And when she asks, what are you doing? You know, I hope every once in a while it's not playing, you know, Angry Birds. I hope every once in a while it's, I'm reading the Bible. She needs to know. And when she knows that, when she knows that you're seeking God in prayer and you're calling her name out and you're digging into the Word, you know what? It'll be a whole lot easier for her to honor and respect you. Then let's move to the kids. Didn't want to leave you out, kids. Let's talk about what your needs are, right? And, and let's go back to Scripture, Ephesians again. Uh, this is the next verse after, after uh, we were talking about the kids. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. And I'm glad he added that. Because you know what some people would say? If you make your, if you make your children angry, you have sinned. That's not what he said. If you are a good dad, you are going to make your kids angry. I got two amens. If you are a good mom, you will not always say, wait till your dad gets home. If you are a good parent, you're going to make your child angry from time to time because you're going to tell them, no, you cannot do whatever it is that is in your heart to do today. But he said, when you're doing the right thing, make sure you do it the right way. Don't provoke them to anger by the way you treat them. Treat them the right way even when you have to instruct them because that's what he says. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Discipline and instruction. How many of you like the word discipline? 
How many of you like to exercise? <laughs> only, only people who love exercise normally like the word discipline. And that's what discipline does for you. Instruction and discipline. Can I tell you something? This is a truth. I, I, I was a youth pastor for many years before I was a pastor. I mean, that's what I did. I did that in my home church before I really got into the ministry. And I did that, and we, we did that at two, two uh, full-time positions, two different churches. And, and I can tell you, th- this is a truth. We saw it happen right here. Uh, a major contributing factor to those kids who do not function at a highly spiritual or moral level is low expectations exhibited by adults in their lives. When your kids mess up, you need to instruct them because when you don't instruct them, when you don't tell them, then they think there's nothing bigger out there to go for. When you don't tell them that here's the way you need to try and do this, then they don't know that there's a better way. You're telling them that the way they're doing it is fine. When you don't discipline them, when they mess up and you don't discipline, you say, well, it'll be all right. Daddy will just work a couple extra hours overtime. We'll, we'll get it paid for somehow. You're telling them that, what the, that the level they're operating on presently is okay. And that's why they don't aspire to be stronger spiritually or more moral if you don't discipline your children and you don't instruct them. And, and I can tell you this, I, I, I mean, th- this is what the experts say, but I can tell you this from experience, because in the youth groups that I had as a youth pastor, I, you could look at the kids and tell which kids had parents who expected more out of them. You can. And you, can find, you can see the ones that their, their parents don't care, just stay out of my hair, I don't care. You can tell. Oh, you know, I, I've, heard them, I've heard some of, well, I haven't heard any of you yet, but I've heard parents so, oh, you know, I don't think he's going to be too smart. He'll never make it into college. Don't tell him that. You're supposed to be giving him instructions. It is your job. And I, I listen, the college is not the end-all, end-all, but it is your job. I believe it's your job to help every child that comes from your loins aspire to go to college and do the very best they can in this life. And if, and if they're struggling some way, then it's your job to instruct them, here's what you're going to have to do. To get yourself in college and have a good, a good life down the road. Don't, don't, don't tell them that, oh, you can get by and here's what we do. Hey, there, there are some times and there are some of us that don't fit into that. There's some don't fit into that rigid and whatever and whatever. I know the, those, you know, you artistic people, you know, that you don't like dotting I's and crossing T's like us OCD people, you know, and all that. I know you don't, you don't fit with some of that. But, and there's some that don't, but it's our job. Dads, it's our job, moms, to put the expectation to say here because the thing we say around here all the time is that when God formed you in your mother's womb, he was dreaming big dreams for you. And I am here, God's put me here as your, as your dad, as your mommy's put me here to help you reach every single one of those dreams. And if you, if you don't reach the big dreams, then maybe I'm failing a little bit. But that's our job is to help them reach those dreams. And there's four things that kids need. Okay, four things that kids need. And... And that doesn't mean that they're as complex as, as women, but kids are a struggle sometimes. First of all, they need consistency. How can they follow a model that changes all the time? How can they know how they're supposed to live their life when Monday is not the same as Sunday? They need to know from you, their Christian dad and their Christian mom, that we don't serve God for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. We serve God 24-7. Prayer is not something that's only important when, when Britton or JC or the staff member or J, Jamie is doing it. Worshiping God is not, only, not just important when Jamie's up here with a praise team and we're all standing together. And serving God is not important just right now in this hour and 15 minutes, but serving, these things are important 
24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They cannot follow a model that isn't consistent. They don't know what to do tomorrow. You, you, you change the rules tomorrow and they won't know what to do the next day. But when you show them that consistency, and they know, I, you know, and part of, this is, part of this is proper behavior. When they know if they do this, they're going to get this. Whether they do it today, tomorrow, or the next day, then they're going to be more likely to do this. But when they know that there are some days they can get away with it, or when they see you model that, that there are some days you try to get away with not being the Christian mom or dad that you're supposed to be, when you, when you model inconsistency, you are destroying your testimony of Jesus Christ into their life. They also need parameters. Nobody likes parameters, but everybody needs them. Eight-year-olds need parameters. Sixteen-year-olds need parameters. Fifty-year-olds need parameters. Hopefully, most fifty-year-olds don't need their 70-year-old mom and dad to come in and set the parameters. We're hoping, you know, by the time you reach 50, you know how to set your own parameters, right? I mean, if you're an alcoholic and you're recovering an alcoholic, hopefully by the time you're 50, you figured out, you know, you don't go spend time down at the bar. You build your own parameters. We all need parameters, and parameters change as we grow. An 8-year-old can't set very many parameters for themselves. A 16-year-old, an 18-year-old can set a lot of them, but most 18-year-olds are, are not yet ready to set all their parameters. They still need parental supervision in setting those parameters. Now, I don't want to make you mad, but if you're still living at home with your parents and they set some parameters, I don't care if they're good or bad. You've got to live by them. If you don't want to, go get a job. Move out. Find a place to live. And then set your own parameters. But as long as you're there and mom and dad are paying the bills... Yeah, you live by their rules. And mom and dad, if they're living there and you're paying the bills and you're not making them live by the rules, then you're not instructing and disciplining them like God called you to instruct and discipline them. They need parameters. The week I got married, we were, I, I got married young. I was, I was a, a, about a month away from being 19 years old. So I was 18 years old. And a, the week before I got married, I still had an 11 o'clock curfew. I was planning my marriage, and I had an 11 o'clock curfew. And some of you, ooh, your parents were tough, weren't they? But let me tell you something I had in that. Something I always had. All the time growing up. And this is something your kids need. It's whenever there was a, an influence that came against me, whenever there was peer pressure, whenever somebody said, let's go do this, let's try this, let's do this, or whatever. Now listen, I wasn't perfect. I'm not saying that. But you know, when, when, when the pressure was really, really hard and, and I was really like thinking maybe I, whether I wanted to or not, but I was close to bending into the pressure, you know what I could always do? I could always say, my parents would kill me. I could always say that. And you know what? I never had to lie either. When you got an 11 o'clock curfew at 19 years of age, the day before you get married, you know, you, you know where your parents stand on things. Your kids need that. They need to know. And they need to be able to look somebody else in the eye and say, my parents would kill me if I ever did that or went there or whatever. And some of you, you've messed up already, parents. Some of you, you've messed up and you've already let your kids do a whole lot more. And, and you think, man, if I bring the parameters in now, it's going to destroy it. No, 
You've got to stop, start somewhere sometime or you're just going to turn them loose to whatever happens in their life. When, when we moved to Chicago, we were living and doing ministry in Chicago. Right after we moved there, our kids were struggling because, uh, you know, they had to leave all their friends. And, and you know, it's, it gets, gets kind of dark early there and it gets cold early there and, you know, and everything. And we were a long way from home and we allowed them to buy a dog. Now, some of you have heard me say, I grew up with dogs, but I grew up with collies. A collie is something that knocks you down and licks your face, you know. Uh, that's what a dog, to me. a dog is something that knocks you down and licks your face. And, and you know, that, that's what, uh, to me, a dog was something that it didn't matter if it had a bath in the last two or three months, you know. None, it didn't, none of that mattered. They were in the yard anyway or whatever. That's what a dog was to me. Uh, Dava reminded me yesterday uh, when she was telling the kids, she said, I can't remember, she said, I'll never forget what your dad said that day. And uh, the kids, I can't believe they, were, they forgot because she said this over and over, and she reminded us yesterday. She said, she said when, we, when we were leaving after buying that dog, she said, she said we were driving down the interstate, Chicago headed back to our house, and she said, Rick looked over his shoulder, and she said, Dad, looked over his shoulder back there at y'all, and Brent, you were sitting there, and Chris was sitting there, and you had that dog sitting there between you. And your dad said, if you had told me a year ago, I'd be living in Chicago, and I'd be driving down the interstate, with a four hundred something dollar dog in my back seat, I'd have told you you were crazy. <laughs> but we had a four hundred something. They, it was their money they raised. They, they spent every dollar they they raised in their yard sale moving to spy for that dog. But they did. And when we bought that dog, this lady told me she said, "Now you're gonna need to get him a cage." I'm thinking, how cruel! Put him in a cage. I'm an outside dog person. My dogs didn't even go on a leash. We didn't even have a fence. My dogs were like neighborhood dogs, you know what I mean? I mean, they're just everywhere. You know, you just go outside and call them, and they'd come from wherever they were. That was cruel. You're going to put him in a cage. And so we took that dog home and said, we don't put him in a cage. We'll give him a nice little place over here in the corner to sleep. And the next day, I told David, we get in a cage, you know. <laughs> and that was really for me because we got to put, we got, we got to have some parameters. I was building parameters for me. But guess what happened? I didn't know this. The people at the pet store, they knew this. They said, this dog has been in this little place for so long. Now you're going to open this big, huge house to him. He's going to be lost. He's not going to know how to act. He's not going to know what to do. He needs the parameters of a cage. It's his place. It is a safe place to him. It protects him. It puts him in a place where he can't make any, any big mistakes. And so you know what? We put him in that cage, and guess what? It was perfect for him. And he could do just about anything he wanted to. I mean, if he peed in that cage, we didn't care because it was, you're having to sleep in it, not us. If he, you know, if I left something too close to the cage and he pulled it in there and tore it up, okay, that one was on me because that was his space. And just like he needed that, your kids need that as well. And kids, you know this. Your kids know that. They won't admit it to you. Most of them won't. But they need that. Because you're turning them loose into a big old huge world. You need to put them back in a place of parameters. And even if you've already done it and they've already been out there too much, you, today's the best day to say, we need to have a meeting. Let's talk tonight. And let's build some parameters. Because I want you to be in heaven with me. One day, i gotta, I got to hurry. Your time. Uh, again, they need cherishing just like your wife does. And, and, and there's, there's, this, there's this lie out there that a lot of people are believing today, and I want to dispel it for you in case you believe it, that you can make up for the lack of quantity time with your kids by having quant quality time with them. You cannot do it. You cannot have a great Saturday afternoon this next week to make up for all the time you didn't spend with them. Won't happen. Because you know what? While you're spending all your time, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to have this great, awesome moment 
with my kids so that they will remember. You know, they're not just remembering that moment. They're also remembering when you're playing Angry Birds instead of having time to read them a book. Or when, you know, and, and listen, I, here's, here's mine. I got to really be careful on Saturday afternoons in the fall. I have to really watch myself. If I'm not careful, you know, Brooklyn comes running in. She wants to do something. I'm like, okay, this ball game be over in just a minute, honey. Me too. That's what she, that's what she will remember. She's going to, yes, yeah, she'll remember the excitement, but she's also going to remember when I said, I don't have time for you, honey. Oh, I didn't say that. Yeah, that's exactly what you said. And you will not make up for it with quality by the lack of quantity. You can't do it. Or you, you can't make it up through that. And, and lastly is unconditional love. They need instruction. They need discipline. And then they need you to love them anyway. And, and, and let me tell you a good tool here too, dads, moms. You need, you, need, you need to look for your next opportunity to say, I'm sorry. You think, what? Yeah, that is a great tool. Here's a great tool for you. Because when you apologize to your child and you say, I'm sorry, you know what? You're teaching them something about how this whole thing works. And you see, sometimes when you come down on your child and you have to discipline, if you're not careful, they'll get the wrong messages. This doesn't, oh, I don't, this doesn't compute. This doesn't compute. How can they love me and, 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 and discipline me? You, when, you te- when you tell them you're sorry and they say, that's okay, Dad, that's okay, Mom, and they give you a hug, they begin to understand how this really works. And that if you can be wrong and say, I'm sorry, and they still love you, that will teach them that they can be wrong and you discipline them, but you still love them. You need to find. I pray I pray if you've not said I'm sorry to your kids in the last two weeks, God give you the opportunity this week. Yeah, I just pray for you to mess up. You're going to mess up. But find an opportunity to be real, to be human to them. Would you stand? I want everybody to come to the front. And if your family's with you today, please, gather, gather with your family. Because I, I, you, I want us to all pray with our families today. Okay? Something I skipped in the first message, the first sermon, uh, first service, and I skipped in this one as well. Is, let me just go ahead and say this to you kids. Some of you kids don't have Christian parents. Step, step on as close as you can. We've got people still in the aisles trying to get this way. Some of you kids don't have Christian parents. For those of you who have Christian parents, listen, if, you don't, if your parents aren't Christian, you can still honor them. You can still honor them. But if you've got Christian parents, let me tell you something. You are blessed to have Christian parents. And you, you should be beside yourself ecstatic and, and, and just honored to honor them for following God and trying to help you follow him. I skipped that. I just want to bring it back to you. So let me tell you about one thing I want to do. There, I, got, I got about five more points I want to preach to you. I'm going to do it this week, okay? And, and I put them, kind of pulled them together in a, parents, a Christian parent's creed. And so this week, I started, I started thinking, well, hey, give me your email address, but listen, I'll miss somebody. Here, make sure you're following me on Facebook or Twitter so you will get this. So you'll get the update that, hey, I just, because I probably will do it through the blog, and I'll give you an update when I do this because you need to, there are about five more things here on families and specifically on the parents. A Christian parents' creed. I put them together in this. But I, I, I want to blog them this week, and so make sure you're following me on Facebook or Twitter so you'll get these, okay? 
Let me paraphrase the words of Christ in Matthew where he talked about what would, it, what would it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You remember when he said that? I mean, what does it matter? I mean, if you gain this whole world, you become the next Donald Trump, but you lose your soul for eternity. What would it profit you? Let me, let me paraphrase that. What does it profit parents to gain the whole world and lose their children? You have the most the most awesome treasure right around you right now. If, you, if you're blessed to have your family in church with you, you have the most awesome treasure around you right now. And I want you, I want you to pray for them. And dad, 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 if you're here, I want you to pray for your family. We're going to join hands in a moment. I want you to join hands with your family and put your arms around them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray. I want you to call every one of their names in prayer. And if somebody's sick, if somebody's had the sniffles or whatever this week, call their name in prayer and say, God, I want you to heal. I can say this. Listen, right over here, in case, in case you don't know, in case, in case you've missed it, in case you don't know, these little bottles of anointing oil, and if you don't know what this is all about, ask me. I, this, is all, this, is all, this is what God tells us to do. If there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil, and prayer of faith will save the sick. Okay? And every, every head, spiritual head of the household needs to have one of these. If you don't have one, come get them. They're, they're free. They've been prayed over. This has already been prayed over. You need, to be, you, need, you need to be in your place of spiritual authority. You need to take that. So if there's somebody in your family that's sick today, Dad, Call their name out of prayer. If you want to come get one of these and out of this basket, that, that's what they're there for. They're, they're, they're always right here. Just wait on you for that. If your, wife, uh, if your wife's uh, been looking for work, hasn't been able to find a job, say, God, give her an opportunity this week. And wives, ladies, you do the same thing for your husband. And, and the rest of your family, call every name in prayer right now. And if your husband's struggling, and listen, there's probably some of you ladies, you know your husband is struggling in areas that he doesn't know you know about. Call those before God in prayer right now as well. Call your kids' names in prayer. If they're struggling in school, if they're struggling with relationships, if they're struggling with kids, if they're struggling with, with some addictions, call their, whether they're right here or not right here. My goodness, if they're not here, call their name out in prayer even more and louder. Say, God, you got to do something. And kids, you do the same thing. Call your parents. Call, call their names in prayer. I want you to touch my mom. I want you to touch my dad. And pray, pray that thing. Pray honor over your dad. Pray honor over your dad and pray, pray that your mom has the things that she needs. And say, say God, show me, how, show me how to supply those needs. Would you take the hand of everybody in your family, put your arms around them, just join together. And let's just pray together, Jamie. Uh, Max will lead us on a final song, but don't start singing until you finish praying, okay? And listen, for those of you single adults, those of you who, who aren't married, guess what? You've not messed up your family yet like we have. Every dad in this place has messed up their kid in some way. But you haven't yet. You get to start right now preparing for a great, awesome marriage and a great, awesome parenthood. So just go ahead and pray that prayer. Pray those prayers. God, whoever my, whoever my mate's going to be one day, go ahead, let's pray.